Well, you guys, nothing that God does is by accident or by chance. God is, is purposeful in every thought, every action, every word, every detail, and he does not waste anything. Nothing is wasted. When you read your Bible, there is everything that's in there is there for a purpose and for a reason, even if we don't understand what, what it's there for. Like there's some odd facts, just some, some kind of strange things. You, as you read through the Bible, you're like, huh, why did... Why is that piece of information there? For example, in John chapter 21, after Jesus has been raised, raised from the dead, the, uh, the disciples have gone fishing. They've gone back to fishing. They fish all night long. They've caught nothing. This is a familiar story for them. And then early in the morning, they see someone standing on the shore, and, and it's Jesus, but they don't recognize him yet. And Jesus calls out to them and says, do you have any fish? And they said, no, we, we've caught nothing, fished all night long. And he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat. And so they, they throw their net on the right side of the boat and they catch this incredible amount of fish, this incredible catch of fish. that they, it's, The Bible says they can't even pull the nets into the boat. And then it says this in verse 11, John chapter 21, that there were 153 fish in the net. Not approximately 150, not 155, 153 Seems oddly specific, no? It did to me. I, I read that, I've read that for many years, and I thought, that's kind of strange why 153. Until I came across the teaching by, by, um, by a, 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 a rabbi, and he said this, that it is believed that there is 153 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee where they were fishing. There was one of every species in the net. This speaks to the inclusivity of the universal church of Jesus Christ. His harvest was not just for one species into his family, into his kingdom, but it was for all people. The same comes true like when you read names. We, we named our kids very, very specifically. We prayed into it. We asked the Lord, what should we name our, our children? My name, my name, Craig, it means rock or rocky, uh, not like the boxer. But like, but like the mountain. It does? Oh, Renee means peaceful. I had that it meant means born again. It's but. kind of both. It has born again, okay. but peaceful is, is yeah, also there. And you are born and, again, and you are very peaceful. Yeah, I am. Chill. Josiah, his name means fire of God, and faith, well, that it <laughs> Was means, that it means ever faith. true when he was little and crazy? For real. You, you see Josiah now, and he's like, kind of calm, kind of chill, you know, relaxed. You but there was it. a time about 19 years ago when he was crazy. We weren't sure what was going to happen, Seriously. guys. We, the, yeah, it was not, it was not, uh, not well known what was going to happen. And then I, I remember talking to my mom and being like, I don't know what to do with this boy. And she said, well, you're the one who named him Fire of God. I'm like, yes. Yes, I did do so that. be careful. Yeah. <laughs> So not only are names significant, they're, they're significant in the Bible. And then when God changes a name in the Bible, we have to pay specific attention to what that name means and why did he do that? Because it's not like he's just freshening something up. You know, like Paul, uh, Saul, who later became Paul, he didn't get the new name just to give him a fresh look, a fresh, you know, a fresh approach. There's, there's purpose in that. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 17. God changed Abram 
and Sarai's names. In, in chapter 17, he made a covenant with them that through their lives would come many nations. And in chapter 17, this isn't the first time that God has made these promises with, with Abram and Sarai. This is actually the second time that he's made the covenant and then renewed the covenant. But in verse number 5 of chapter 17, it says this. It says, No longer shall your name be Abram, which means exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham father of a multitude, for I will make you the father of many nations. And then just jump down 10 verses and go to, go to uh, verse, verse 15, same chapter. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, which means my princess, but her name will be Sarah, which means princess. See, these new names for, for Abraham and, and Sarah, they point to what was to come. They weren't living in them in that moment, but they, they spoke to and they declared something that was to come in their future. It established a new now. Say new now. new now. And that new now in this moment wasn't even realized yet. Abraham, the truth of the matter, Abraham was not even living up to his name Abram because he wasn't a father. See, he wasn't even living up to the old name, but God was saying, listen, the old name, it doesn't match your purpose. It doesn't match your destiny. You're not just meant to be a father of one or two or a few, but you are meant to be the father of not even a nation, but nations. And Sarah's new name, very close, very close in meaning. Sarai, my princess. Sarah means princess, which points to the reality that she wasn't just the princess of one but the princess of many. And listen, these, these new names, they came 24 years after God first promised them a son. 24 years he promised them a son. Then he changes their name. And then one year later, Isaac is born. They still had to wait. But every time they heard their new names called out, they were reminded of the promise. Abraham, who didn't even have a son, People will call out, Abraham, I need your help with this. Abraham, and he kept hearing, father of nations, father of a multitude. They were reminded of their future, and they were, were reminded of their destiny and their new names. This is really interesting. As I studied this out, many scholars actually believe that the Lord put his name inside Abram and Sarai. See, the, the H or the, the ha or the ah sound is one of the four letters of God's, of God's name, Yahweh. And it was added to, to both of their names. I'm, so if, if you know Hebrew, I apologize in advance. I'm probably going to, to butcher some of the pronunciations of these. But the sacred name of God is, is called the Tetragrammaton. And it's spelled with four Hebrew letters. Yod, He, Ve, and He. Again, apologies. When God changes Abram's name to Abraham... He inserts that Hebrew letter He from his divine name into Abram's name. He just puts it right there in the middle. He is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's also uh, letter number five. And the, and the number five in the Bible, it means grace. Grace is that empowering to do something or to accomplish, to accomplish something. And so he put the, the grace of God in his name. Hey, that letter hey also has a strong breathing sound as is pronounced. And then God changes Sarai's name and inserts that second hey of his sacred name into her name. And so God inserts these two letters of his divine name into Abraham and into Sarah. Ah. 
to remind them of God. God gives new life to Sarah and Abraham, making them fruitful and giving them their son of promise. So what's in a name? Destiny, promise, potential, power, and identity. Jesus also changed the name of Simon, one of his disciples. We, we better know him as Peter. In John chapter 1 and verse 42, it says, Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as Peter. This is the very first time that Jesus laid eyes on Peter. And he changes his name. Simon means to, to hear or to be heard or reputation. Kind of sounds like the Peter that we know. Always had something to say. Always needed to be heard. He had a certain reputation about him. And I'm sure he was quite confused that day as, as, as the new name didn't come with an explanation. He just said, you will be called Peter. And he didn't say why. But it wasn't for a few years until Jesus gives a clue as to why he changed Simon's name to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18, it says, uh, Simon, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living gods. This is where Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And this is, this is, this is Peter's answer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, confirms his new name, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The rock that Jesus is specifically referring to is the, is the revelation that he had that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the rock because that's where the church is built on. That's where our lives are built on. We are built upon the rock that is Jesus. God in the flesh, Messiah, come to save humanity and redeem us. But I also believe that he was pointing to the steadiness and the leadership that Peter was about to show after Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. See, Peter had a key role in establishing the church. From orchestra, you see, they're in the upper room, and after, after Jesus has ascended, he said, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And so they're in the upper room, and then Peter says, we need to replace Judas, one of, the, one of the disciples, one of the apostles. We need to replace him. Peter stands up, and he leads the charge on this. Then after the Holy Spirit is, is poured out in Acts chapter 2, the, Peter is the one that gives the first sermon the church had ever heard. And 3,000 people say yes to Jesus. That's the rock, the steadiness, the great leadership that Jesus was speaking to when he changed his name to Peter, the rock. Because there was a time when Peter had a lot to say, but not much to back it up. But Peter, rock, spoke to who he was to become and spoke to what he was going to help establish. So what's in a name? Identity, purpose, mission, and destiny. So this church has had three previous names. It started in 1934 as La Mesa Gospel Tabernacle. That's the best one. <laughs> 
And then from La Mesa Gospel Tabernacle, it was changed to La Mesa First Assembly of God. And then in approximately 2001, La Mesa First Assembly of God became Cross Point Life Church. Each one of these names spoke to the establishment of what God was doing in and through this church in those seasons at that time. Back, I don't know if you guys remember, it was over a year ago, no, two, over two years ago, um, the superintendent of the Southern California uh, network came, Rich Guerra, and he was here, and he he preached, and then later he mentioned to Craig privately about changing the name of the church. He said, have you ever thought about changing the name of the church? And Craig was so surprised um, about his comment, but then he laughed because it's actually something that I had been talking to Craig about. I'm like, I think we're supposed to change the name of the church. I think the Lord is prompting me like there's something on this. And Craig was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure about this. It's a big deal. You know, sometimes it takes it. me a little while to catch up. Yeah. I have to do it in stages when the Lord speaks to me. Um, he's getting better. He's getting better. Um, so he laughs as he's talking to Pastor Rich and he says, you know, Renee is going to be really happy to hear this. He tells him. And so it was, it was, I was so happy because it was like a confirmation because, you know, you guys know when you hear the voice of the Lord and you're like, is it the Lord <laughs> or is it me? You know, and, and so that felt like a confirmation to me. So I was excited, um, but it was a big deal. This wasn't anything to take lightly. And, and we certainly we didn't. This was two years ago. You know, and God had been speaking to me even before that. So we prayed and we listened and we prayed and we listened and we prayed and we listened. And, uh, and then we just felt kind of like to move. And um, what we wanted is we wanted and, and we felt like the Lord was saying a, a name with a feeling of ownership. Like where we, we feel like an ownership to it coupled with an invitation that extends to everyone. So it, it's like the name is to be inclusive of belonging, yet the feeling of the only requirement to belong is just to come. And then once you do, my church becomes your church, which is now our church. Like that's it. Like there's no other criteria. And this is a church for everyone. And, and I, I believe, we believe that everyone is, is looking for a home. When we were in Reading a few weeks ago to see Josiah graduate from second year, um, we were in a coffee shop, a local coffee shop there, and we were talking to, to the girl that was making our coffee, and she was asking why we were here, and we were telling her, and then uh, she said, uh, oh, and we mentioned that we were pastors. She said, oh, what's the name of your church? And then, so Craig says, Cross Point Life Church, and then I'm like, well, for now, I'm thinking this is someone that I could, like, tell, you know, because, like, we wanted a surprise for the family so we could all celebrate together. But she doesn't know us from anyone. She's not going to say anything. So I'm like, I'm just going to say it. So I'm like, but we're, you know, for now, we're changing the name of church. And she said, oh, what's it going to be? And it's like one of those really risky things when you throw out there because you're like, what if she's like, oh. So I was like. We're changing it to our church. And immediately she was like, I love that. She said, you know what it makes me feel like? It makes me feel like home. She was 20-something. And instantly, that's what she said. And we're like, well, that's what we feel like the Lord wanted. So we were just so, you know, happy 
uh, to hear that, that, that it's a place for everyone, a place to be part of the family, a place to be involved, and a place to see impact through, through all of our lives. And, you know, over the past four weeks previous, we've been sharing our values. This is why we were leading up to this. We were speaking in and reminding us of the things that we value, the things that we find important, the culture that we're creating here. Our church's mission is empowering people, fulfilling destiny, and leaving legacy. This is where we're going. And it's, it's about you. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about, it's, it's really, it's about us, all of us, right? Empowering you. We want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to the, to the most that you possibly can be. And I think we, we would all like probably just nod our heads in agreement and, and think like, you know what? I'm probably not living to the fullness of the Holy Spirit empowerment that's inside of me. Because literally, he, God lives in us. And, and the Bible says that, that Jesus, Jesus told us, everything that I do, you can do and greater. And I know I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. Right? I've got some growing to do. But we, we want to see you empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill your destiny, the purpose that you were created for because we believe that God in heaven had this dream and then he wrapped your little body around it. And as it says in Psalms, knit you together inside your mother's womb, wrapped around this dream that he had for your life of all that you could be and all that you could do. And we want to see you empowered to fulfill that. And then we want to see you leave a legacy behind in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, to generations behind you. You know, your, your grandchildren will, will know your name, right? Your great-grandchildren will, will know your name. But your great-great-great-grandkids, maybe if they dig a little, they do some research, they go to Ancestry.com and they submit their DNA, then, you know, then, they'll, then they'll, they'll know your name. We want to live for the generations that won't know who we are and set them up so that they can step into all that God has for them. This is our church. This is who we are, and this is what we're about. Our church, yours, mine, ours. Jesus said, I will build my church. So if Jesus, think of it this way. If Jesus asks, whose church is that? You're like, it's yours. It's also mine because I belong to the church. I, I am the church. It's not the, it's not the buildings. It's the people. So I, I'm the church. It's mine. But it's also ours. Because I alone I'm not the church, but we are the church. Our church speaks to the belonging of people because everyone has a place here. Our church speaks to community, to all people being welcomed here with open arms. That's how we want to welcome people. Anybody who walks in off the street, arms open, would love to give you a hug. Good morning. We're so glad you're here. But you don't know me. It's okay. I'm glad you're here. But you don't know my story. It's okay. I'm still glad you're here. I don't agree with the things you, you believe. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. Our church speaks to the empowering of people to do the work of the ministry inside this place and outside because we are all called to full-time ministry. We might not all work in ministry full-time, but we're all called to full-time ministry. Our church 
unfortunately, is not a place for spectators just to come and watch. It's not a show. This is a training facility. It's a training facility where we raise up sons and daughters of God so that they don't just stay sons and daughters of God, but they grow up. They grow up into mothers and fathers of God who are raising up sons and daughters. And not just natural ones, but spiritual ones. This is a place of discipleship, of raising up, of empowering. Our church speaks to the inclusivity of the atmosphere and of people. Our church speaks to the people, you and I, and those to come. That we, we are to have ownership and personal responsibility here. Personal responsibility for the ministry of our church. Personal responsibility for my relationship with Jesus. You are to have personal responsibility for your relationship with Jesus. And we are to have personal responsibility in our calling. And answering the call of God upon our lives. Our church, it recognizes the past, the legacy and the investment that generations, those generations that came before us, that they established, that they set up, the things that they did, prompted by the Holy Spirit, who probably had no idea what it would look like 89 years later. But we recognize those. And then it looks to the future of what could be. What could God do with our lives? What could God do with your life, with the ministry of this church? Like I talked last week, the generations that came before us, they are waiting for us to do all that Jesus has planned for us. They're waiting for us. It's that last verse in Hebrews chapter 11. We are in Oh, I knew when I wrote that word I wouldn't get it out. <laughs> we are connected in the story God is telling through this ministry. Generations past, our generation, generations to come. We are all connected in the story that God is writing in humanity. And there has been 89 years of work of prayer, of ministry, of contending for revival, of seeds being planted and sown into a community, into lives, into families through what God has been doing in this place. And we have been set up. Family, this is the great setup. We've been set up by faithful and obedient followers of Jesus so that we can harvest what they sowed into, that we can harvest the prayers that they prayed and they contended for but they never saw. The really cool thing about faith is it's really, it truly is the evidence of things not seen. Because without faith, uh, well, one, the Bible says it's impossible to please God, but also it's a little depressing. <laughs> Life can be. Because you just see what you see. And if it's not good, you don't feel good. So faith is is the evidence of what we don't see. And that's exciting. Um, today is obviously a really a big day. And, you know, as I was in worship, the Lord spoke to me something. And it was right at the time um, when we were singing a part of Waymaker. And Dublin was singing, and she was kind of singing the same line repetitively. 
And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's coming a time when you won't have to push in worship like you like you do, like you have done your whole ministry. Because we're big pushers in the spirit. So when we come, when we show up on Sunday morning, it's game time. And we push in the spirit. We're not just doing what we do because we're, like, excited, which we are. But we do it because there's ground to be taken in the spirit. And it doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. We have to do that all week long. Um, but we really do push forward the spiritual atmosphere. Um, and we do that because we want to pioneer the way and push the way for people coming um, behind, so to speak, not literally behind us, but like, like, cause we're all, we're all going together. And so I don't mean it like that, but just so that it's, um, not as hard of a path. We've like defeated some of the enemy lines so that you can come maybe a little easier, if that makes sense. And the Lord spoke to me and said, there's, there's coming a time when you won't have to do that anymore. Uh, you might go for it anyway, because God knows us. <laughs> he just knows we're so passionate about worship. But he said, you won't have to because I'm raising up a generation that's coming behind you that will carry it. And I was like, yes. It's all we've ever prayed for and desired. That the generation will come up behind of pushers in the spirit. I give my life for that. Our church's reach is beyond the borders of, of these walls and this city. And it's in the generation coming up. It's in the generation that is. It's in the generation old or young. It's all of it. And we have made impact for 89 years, this church has, in the pursuit of the Lord. This church is known as a revival church in the, in the area, in the region. This church has loved its city and families and given food and, and ministry and outreaches and children's outreaches and, and, and gone to the nations. There's impact worldwide that this church has had. And this is so significant today because, because we can look back and thank God for all the things, his faithful hand on the journey. And then we can look forward and say, oh, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the amazing future that's ahead for our church. A couple weeks uh, ago, uh, Jim Penner and I went downtown to meet with uh, the architect firm that's working with us, and we've shared this kind of along the way. And um, they wanted to have this kickoff meeting where they could, we could gather together and they could ask us some questions. And somebody had come, one of them had come and taken a bunch of pictures of the building. We walked through and they... You know, because they're they're doing this competition, this design concept competition between many of them in their in their firm. They wanted to get everybody on this virtual call, and they all weren't in the office, but they were in different cities. And we sat and we shared some of who we are and where we're going and what we do as a ministry, and you know, part of the buildings that you know that are you really used, and part of them that that are not like. Just to be clear, if you didn't know this, 
uh, like maybe you haven't heard this before, but we are looking at a complete restructure of this whole building. Yeah. Just to catch you up. So now, go. Including what I affectionately term the dark side of the building. Yes. Which is over here in the upper level. We don't even turn the lights on. It's just... So we need to revitalize. We walk in the dark. Yeah, we walk in the that. dark when you're up there. We need to re we need to reimagine and revitalize, you know, our our church facility. Um, and I sat there and sitting in a in a in a room and connected, you know, by the internet, um, with people that are just like wild dreamers. They're, they're like the Lord, we we started doing this because the Lord was provoking us. Hey, you need to do something with the building. So okay, and so we're just trying to stay in stay in step. And now I'm sitting in this room, and they start sharing ideas and thoughts. And and have you thought about this? And what about this? And well, look about this. And they're like, well, we, when we look at projects like this, we we take a, a step back like six blocks out. We look at everything around, and they start sharing. And and my heart, I'm sitting there. I think I'm starting to sweat. My heart is beating rapidly out of my chest. My mind is like it's literally exploding inside my skull. And there came a moment when I said, you know, in January, when I, 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 I said to, to Jim and, and the board, Steve and, and Juan, um, hey, I, I think we need to pursue some concept plans for, for a building. And I had no idea what that meant. I'm really kind of ignorant when it comes to this. This is not what I do. Um, and so he was sharing. They're like, yeah, yeah, I, I know somebody. And now, you know, it, this, this is probably what it'll cost. I'm sitting at my desk. And when he said that, the cost to it, I literally leaned back. And I was like, Whew. all right, so now my faith steps have money attached to them. Like, and I, the weight of it just sat on me. And so I, I shared that with them. And then I said, now you guys are talking. And my heart's pounding out of my chest again. My mind is being blown because... I think I was looking at what God was wanted to do like this, <laughs> just like almost like through a straw. And that's all that I saw. And they started just expanding the what could be. And now my prayer is, God, what is it that you want to do here? Not just thank you, Jesus, for our new building, but what, what do you want to do? What is your dream here? And there are wild days ahead, whatever it looks like. We just don't want to limit what he's doing. So we just basically want to thank you for being a part, um, for making this church your church. Um, I feel like, you know, let's not make this the best kept secret <laughs> of the area anymore. Let's invite people. I felt really impressed as we were, as I was thinking about Sunday and this, you know, this announcement and this new day and everything. I felt reminded of Mr. Cliff and his just tenacity. We need to get invite cards, Pastor Craig. And we, I need to pass them out to everyone. And I felt just so impressed by the Lord and reminding me of that and saying, you actually really need to fill every seat in this building. And, like, I'm all about inviting people to church. I always have been. But I've always been, like, it just, sometimes it's just felt like, oh, we're just inviting people to church. It's what we do. It's the right thing to do. This was different. This was like, no, we really need to, we need to fill every seat. Like the Lord's saying, fill every seat. Just go out there and get people. Don't even worry about it. Just, just go out there and invite people. Like, like, just 
get them to church, invite people to church. Um, inviting people isn't about bringing them to a place that has it all. It's like you're not selling a service. When we invite people, we're not selling a service. I'm not going to be like, listen, you're going to hear the best sermon you ever heard. The worship team's going to be off the hook, guys. The light show and the kids ministry like, and the youth. and Like you're not selling something because sometimes I feel like we feel that pressure that we need to sell something. We need to sell our church. And I felt the Lord say, don't sell anything. You invite them because it's on his heart to fill every seat in this building. And you just invite them. And you just come to our church. Why? Because we just like it. You should come. We're trying to fill every seat. (laughs) That's why I should come? Yeah, we're just trying to fill every seat. Really? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And then maybe when they're here, they'll meet Jesus. I mean, I would go if someone was like, hey, come, and we're just trying to fill every seat. I'd be like, okay, that sounds fun. But I feel like it's a divine setup of the Lord where he's like, you just get him in the seat and just let me do the rest. You're not making any promises. You're not sitting this so high that it's like, you know, because we're just all here doing the best we can with what we have and following the Lord in obedience. And, um, here at our church, we just love Jesus, right? You guys just love Jesus. We just love Jesus, and we listen to him, and then we do what he says. That's it. That's our strategy. <laughs> so, <laughs> on this day that we all get to be a part of, let's just make that choice to just fill every seat, to follow the Lord. Fill every seat in this old building as we anticipate and plan for the new one. So thank you for being here because you all have a very important place here. Um, And this was our June 4th. In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to end, and uh, like I had mentioned before, we have a little after party. We want to celebrate the moment, and we, we, we want to celebrate it well. Uh, we've got a photo area with a, with a backdrop that, that we had made that says, Our Church, Step Repeat, and we've got lights and, and stuff like that. So go get your photo taken and post it. On, and, and, and post it. Um, we've, got, we've got Oreos that we had branded with Our Church. They've got, they've got edible edible. They're, I'll call them stickers, but they're not stickers. They're, you can eat them. It's not sugar. edibles. Okay. Edible stickers. We do not have edibles at our church. We have edible stickers. They're gluten-free. And they're, and they're, they're gluten-free. We have some gluten-free ones. And also, so- <laughs> the word that the, the Oreos spell is ours, yeah. and the S Oreos are gluten-free. Just the S. So if you're gluten-free, take from, from the S. There if you're not gluten-free... Pick any of the other letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, we've got we've got stickers for you, uh, car stickers that we can. And if you're like like, listen, can you just put that on for me? Hundred percent. We've got Josiah and and a, and a couple other people who are going to put stickers on. So if you want stickers on, see him, and he'll he'll be out back. He can. It'll take him like two minutes to put that sticker on your car. Or if you're like, I'm a little particular. I don't like people touching my car. Then take, take the sticker home. home and you can put it on yourself. But we got stickers that we wanna we wanna give to you guys and um, oh shirts. If there's you wanna shirts buy a shirt. If you wanna buy you know, a shirt. There's, there's a few shirts um, and um, yeah. Oh, if you buy a shirt, I actually put my books back there. I don't want you to buy the book. You could just have a book if you buy a shirt. That's fine. Just free book. And I just wanted to do that to bless you guys today. Yeah. So let's all stand and, and pray.
and I, I don't often often do this because, to be honest, sometimes it feels a little weird. But just like, grab the hand of the person next to you, stretch out, just touch everybody, be all connected. <clears throat> Jesus, I thank you for our church. And I thank you for what you're doing here. And I thank you for your plan and your dream. Because it's so much bigger than we understand or even comprehend. And I think you do that by design because I think it would probably scare us away from attempting to follow you if we really knew what it was that you had up your sleeve. And so I thank you for your plan. And my prayer is that we would be faithful to you, faithful to what you ask us to do, and we would be obedient. That's it. That we would be faithful and obedient to you. And that we wouldn't shy away because it seems too big. And we wouldn't step back because that doesn't seem important enough. But we would be faithful and obedient and we would follow you wherever you take us. In Jesus' name, amen.